welcome back to Agents of Travel. Where Rachel Van Ness and I, uh, we interview a different person each week about their previous trips. And try to book them the vacation of their dreams. Also, the other guy talking is Garrett Palm. Yes, and uh, the lady talking is Rachel Van Ness. You said that already. Well, I did, but I didn't say, I just said Rachel Van Ness and Garrett Palm. Those could have been anybody. Those could be other people that come on later. That's right. I just wanted to be specific. Anyway, we have a, there is a third person that we'll be talking, and that is Kevin Rigg. He is a uh, friend of mine. We used to work together at Smosh. You can find him. He's big on Twitch. Big on Twitch. His handle on Twitch is New Game Plus. That's N-U Game Plus. The all spelled out. All one word. All lowercase. Should Twitch we probably is all lowercase. Part of the outro? We can do it there too. But Kevin Rigg, you can find him all over the place. He's very fun. Very fun to travel with. I got to travel with him to Georgia for work. And I haven't gotten to travel with Kevin, but boy, after talking to him, I really wish I had the opportunity. All right. Let's uh, let's hear a little bit from Kevin, shall we? Let's crack into it. All right. Cracking in. Hello, and welcome to Agents of Travel, where I, Garrett Palm, a.k.a. Secret Agent Sticky Toffee Pudding, and I, Rachel Van Ess, a.k.a. Secret Agent Panakukin, have been assigned by a shadow wing of the National Travel and Tourism Office to each plan a trip for our guest. But first, we need them to answer some questions. Kevin, are yes. you ready? Uh, yeah. Yes? Sorry, what were your names again? <laughs> I, you know, uh, I'm... Secret agent sticky toffee pudding because I really like sticky toffee pudding. Okay, okay, no, yeah, I get that. I like it. Okay, it's and it was kind of. Ta- uh, I'm secret agent Panakuken, which is Se- Dutch for pancake. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, kind of, kind of took the wind out of our uh, official sales, but we'll take sorry, it. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you had uh, a Dutch pancake or sticky toffee pudding before? I can't say I've had either of those, but then again, mm-hmm. I might have and not been aware. I just, I just eat food here. You know this. Yeah, I know mm-hmm. this. I'm sorry, uh, sticky toffee pudding. Thing. Uh, you can call me either one. Okay. It's up to you. Okay. Yeah, we go by our aliases as well. So. Yeah, both our agent name and our street names. We will <laughs> respond to. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. Because we're so good at our jobs. <laughs> we're, oh, yeah. we're excellent. That's why the <laughs> National Travel and Tourism Office has sending us out into the field making this podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So we're going to ask you a series of questions, Kevin. And at the end, each one of us will present a vacation. And you can go ahead and choose which one you'd like to go on. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Okay. And then maybe someday we'll have the money to send you on that vacation. Right. Yeah. Uh, when? Sorry. When does that check uh, come, come through? Uh, so first question. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> Kevin. Yes. How do you like to travel? Like, are you, do you wing it? Mm-hmm. Do you plan everything? Or do you reside somewhere in between? Do you like to travel solo? Do you like to travel with a group? A long time or a short time. Mm-hmm. What's your wow. travel M.O.? That's a great, that's a really good question. That's actually a really interesting question. That's why we I, wrote it. Out of the many different times, ways that I've traveled uh, domestically and internationally, I have probably found I've had the most zen experience going solo. Well, okay. Yeah. From the airport to the plane to landing and then experiencing the city or wherever I'm at, even if it's for work or for pleasure, the solo experience has always been the most wholesome experience for me. So I have found like that is like definitely 
my 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 go to. Are you looking for a Zen experience when you travel? I not necessarily. I think it's just the act of being alone is what's yeah. so Zen. You like to be untethered while mm-hmm. you're traveling. Do you end up finding groups of people and you're like, yeah, we'll hang or whatever? Like, are you the kind of person who meets people while they travel? Or are you like, no, I'm alone the whole time. I only mm-hmm. talk to order food and that's it. I actually am the person who, when I, wherever I go, I meet local people and I end up getting myself invited to parties, barbecues, yeah. Uh, cool yeah. events that I've never heard of and like hanging out with them and friends years later that I still like their, their pictures on Instagram. That, you know, gotta say, yeah. that is such a supreme and beautiful confidence that I do not have. Like, <laughs> You'd be surprised though, because I don't have that confidence, but I've done that. I've been there and it's often it's because you're so alone, so lonely that either people take pity on you and then bring you in or you are like, I got to just step up and do this and like go and meet these people. I'm guessing then you like to wing it go where the wind takes you 100 percent. i will plan locations and make like i will make sure i have accommodations and i've pre-planned but then the moment i land in that place my overall plan i'm like i'm here and i'm gonna meander around first i'll find like the hot spots and go meander in the touristy areas and then like from those trips then find what's cool and i really always try to find like the local interesting hot spots less of like the touristy ones i do the touristy ones just to be like yeah i did it Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, I want to know, like, what's what does a local do? What is somebody who lives here? Like, what what's the, the yeah. bar they go to, the restaurant they say, oh, it's the, it's the diviest, best one, like that kind of stuff. So I definitely wing it. This is going to maybe be this question may reflect sadly on me. But <laughs> <laughs> do you have any tips or like, how do you how do you meet cool people while you travel? I feel like a lot of it is just like a strong sense of self-worth, but yeah, uh, we are, we usually work in the office at the national travel and tourism office. You know, we we're behind a desk most of the time as agents. We, we aren't field agents so much. Yeah. So for me, like how meeting interesting people while traveling and making friends and friend groups, I mean, I won't, I won't sugarcoat it. Alcohol definitely helps. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. Yes. Cause it gives and you a little bit of that liquid courage and making bad uh-huh. choices. Yes. Yes. Oh, God, yes. I was going to say, and cool drugs. Do we do and, cool drugs? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and and so going to going to places either I've already imbibed it or yeah. I have I'm at a place where I am drinking, um, and then I get a little bit of liquid courage, and I'll put myself mm-hmm. in situations where I will be the first person to initiate the contact. Sometimes I'm at a bar and I'm alone, and there's somebody alone next to me, and I find a commonality there. talking about something like oh i overheard you talking about this thing yeah and then we start a conversation and i'm i feel like i'm the kind of person who has the ability to like really connect with people quickly Mm -hmm. i blame my mother for that she she gave me too much empathy (laughs) (laughs) uh it's a curse and a blessing but yeah so i find like a some commonality and i found myself in many situations where like i suddenly have a group of people that don't know each other and i don't know them and yet we're all hanging out suddenly and it's an amazing experience that i won't forget or when I'm working jobs, because um, with the working in the film industry, I would travel a lot for freelance stuff, uh, try, fly all, all across the nation, be there for six to seven months. A lot of my other coworkers would just isolate in their rooms. And then like, mm-hmm. that's about all they do. I uh-huh. would immediately the first week find a local watering hole, talk to the contractors we're working with, talk with people who, who we hire locally, hang out with them. And through that, like suddenly I'm getting invited to local neighborhood parties and-, and You just become mayor of the city in, <laughs> yeah. in a yeah. couple of days. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
But it's oh, definitely, okay. yeah, it's definitely alcohol that helps. <laughs> it it would have been fun to, because when I went to Egypt for Smosh, it would have been fun to have you on board because it was like definitely a division. Uh, there were three of us that were going out all the time between mm-hmm. shoots and then. I don't know, though. Kevin likes to be untethered, man. You oh, like that's style, a good point. <laughs> I wouldn't say like completely untethered, but yes. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I was also going to ask, have you always been good at traveling this way or have yeah. you learned how to travel this way? Wow, that's a that's a deep question. I okay. The question goes back a little bit further. So let me give some deeper context. Uh, As a kid, I was always the kind of kid who my mom was always worried for me because I would go up to strangers and say, hi, my name is Kevin. Here's my address. Here's my phone number. I'm this many years. Like, I would basically be like, like, steal me. (laughs) (laughs) This is where you can find me. But you befriended a lot of your kidnappers, which is very, very sweet. I think I honestly put them off guard. And they're like, well, this kid knows what's up. Like, not not this one. (laughs) This kid is just going to get kidnapped by another guy. He's like, this this is the kid that's going to memorize, like, where I'm I'm not doing it. But no, so uh, straight up with uh, that's I was always that kind of kid naturally would just like always naturally inquisitive, always wanting to talk to people, a little bit of ADHD dabbles into the impulsiveness in it. Yeah. So then leading into travel, I found myself just like the same thing. I was excited to do things and experience stuff. And, you know, solo travel is fun for myself because I get to pick my own itinerary and like Mm -hmm. I can do what I want to do and not feel stressed to entertain other people. Yeah. But then at the same time, I'm like, I want to meet some locals. I want to do this. I want to hang out. Like I want to set, I, and I try to enmesh myself in the culture of like, like I'm a local suddenly, even though, you know, yeah. obviously I'm not, but right. so I don't think it was ever something that I, I consciously thought about being good at socializing while traveling. It just, I, I was born with it. Is there an experience that you've had while traveling that kind of locked it in for you? Like, Oh, this is how I travel. Yeah, I could I could probably pinpoint. So most of my international travel, I I really have one place I like to go to. You probably already know, Gary. Oh yeah, Japan. But it is Japan. <laughs> I really love going to Japan. <laughs> and so I have I've been there I think five times now. And on my first trip, I went to go for a high school. So I was like doing a study abroad kind of thing, and I didn't quite get the like I got that that fish out of water experience. The like I here I am. I don't know anybody, and I'm I'm existing. But I had a, a host mother and a host brother Mm -hmm. so like it didn't give me that ability to like really experience it and it wasn't until my second trip I went there to go visit a college friend of mine she had uh and I went on a solo one on this one not with the school and she worked all day so I would go can I cuss in this podcast please Okay, so I would go fuck off while she was gone. Whoa, yeah. I didn't know it was that kind of cousin. Oh, shoot, sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll dial it back then. I would frick off. Thank you. <laughs> and w- while she was gone at work, I would go mess around. And one of the days, I had drank a little bit of alcohol. And I had made it like my goal. I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do on this trip, but I'm going to make it my goal. I got a map. And on the map, they had all the Shinto and uh, Buddhist temples in the area. From the smallest like neighborhood temples that take up maybe like a small... like like podium to Mm -hmm. huge ones and i was like i'm gonna hit as many of these i can while i'm here i want to see the different ones and i'm gonna pray at all the different ones and just be you know and mesh like i was like i feel like that will get me a little bit more cultural a little bit more connected than just going to like a you know downtown tokyo and messing around so on one of those journeys i got off the train meandered out had a little bit to drink and i got lost instantly instantly yes. lost mm-hmm. yes and so it first started off with me i'm like walking like i'm trying to get to this place but it's so hard to tell the map there's no streets no 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 de- defining like 
I, I don't know where I am. And I asked these two middle school girls, I was like, hey, I'm lost. I'm American. And this is all in Japanese, obviously. And I'm like, I'm lost. I'm American. I don't know where I'm going. I'm trying to find this temple. They're like, oh, I think it's this way. So we're walking. And then they say, I think you go down this neighborhood. And they say, bye. I'm like, okay, cool. I go down the, the street. And there's an old man like hosing his driveway. And I go up to him. And I'm like, and this is again in Japanese. I say, oh, excuse me, sir. Like, I'm trying to find this temple. I'm a little lost. Can you point me in the right way? And he looks at me and in English, he responds. He goes, I don't speak English. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, yep. and for a second, I was like, was I speak? I was, I was like, and then in Japanese, I was like, oh, okay, sorry. I was like trying to explain. And he just like was not having it. Yet. It is so funny when you get fucking roasted for trying to speak the language. <laughs> that is my well, favorite thing ever, especially when they speak English back. Like they're like, yeah. don't even try. Yeah. This is cute. But mm -hmm. like, well, because yeah. in Japan also, I, I often found like the older people, avoid me like yep. they do not want to talk they don't want me to approach them and speak you know ask them anything yeah there is a know. weird with the older generation in japan there is a there's a little bit of xenophobia going on there and well it's one of two ways either you meet you have like the old people who are extremely xenophobic and like they go to the bars where it's no foreigners allowed bars then you have the older generation who like loves america they love john wayne they love john denver yeah. Ten country music you backstreet boys and they want to hang out with you if you're from america so it's like this yeah. crazy like uh, polarity of it so after trying to talk to this guy and i'm like get going nowhere this dude was walking by us and this is in like a neighborhood this is like a removed neighborhood no like the nearest convenience store because normally in japan when you go there like there's a convenience store every block the nearest one was probably like i so far away i was like deep and this guy's walking by and he hears what's going on and he's like, oh, don't, don't, don't talk to him here. I'll help you. He's like, where are you trying to go? And I was like, trying to get to this place on the map. I'm trying to find this temple. He's like, oh man. He's like, I live in this area, but like, even I don't really know where that is. He's like, well, let's, let's go find it. I'm like, yeah. oh, okay, cool. So I'll me and this guy. So far, this sounds like a children's book of like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it gets better. It yeah. gets better. Oh my so, gosh. So me and this guy go meandering off and we're wandering and he, we're talking and he's asking me questions. And where'd you learn? You know, the typical ones like, oh, how'd you learn to speak Japanese? You know, where, where yeah. are you from? You know, all that stuff. And suddenly we stop and he's like, I think I'm lost too. <laughs> <laughs> and so this woman is walking by us and he's like, oh, excuse me, miss. Like, we're, I'm trying to show this American like how to get to this temple. He's like, I thought I knew it was in this area, but I think we're lost. And she's like, oh yeah, huh? Like, I feel like I know where that is. Well, I, why don't I can like show you? <gasps> yeah. <laughs> so, so then we go wandering. The three of us go wandering the streets and just talking. And I'm I'm blasted as usual. I'm just like, what is happening? This is great. <laughs> and you have these two new friends from totally different walks mm -hmm. of life, and you're all united to find yeah, and, this Shinto temple. Yeah, and eventually, it's you and twenty people show up to the temple. <laughs> it gets parade. better. <laughs> it does get better. <laughs> Uh, so then we are wandering and we, we get, we think we're close. And again, now she's like, huh, I don't know where we are either. I feel like it should be this area, but I can't find it. And so we go up to a playground uh, and that's where we are at. And there's a, a father there playing with his two young daughters. And so we walk up and, and they're like, you from this area? He's like, oh yeah, I live like right there. She's like, we're looking for this. Like, we're trying to take, show this guy, the shit, like the Shinto shrine. He's like, oh, that's like right over by my place. So he's like, come on girls, let's go. <laughs> so it's the what is it that's uh the five of us are like just the, all of us are just walking which go into the shinto shrine people from different walks of life a drunk american yeah. a businessman uh, a businesswoman and a father with two kids and we find the shinto shrine finally awesome. and walk up to it and i had learned 
from and that's a crazy other story I can share later. But I had learned uh, like a, like three days prior how to properly pray at a Shinto shrine, and so I I did it before I did it. You know, we locked up. We all prayed. We all it was it was a shrine for uh, safe travel was what the shrine was. Uh-huh. So Aww. it was like perfectly encapsulated the day. And at the end, like as per customary in Japan, there is something called omamori, which is Crap, what's the, I forgot the word. It's uh, souvenirs, souvenir gifts. So omomori is when you give somebody souvenirs. I always carried souvenirs from Oregon with me because Japanese people love getting souvenirs from America, especially ones like really niche looking ones. So I'd carry like a deck of cards that was like the coast of Oregon or a pen, a wooden uh, Myrtle wood pen that says Oregon on it, stuff like that, Mm -hmm. postcards. So at the end, I gave them all like a, a gift. I bowed, said, thank you so much. This was a blast. And then the business guy's like, I'll walk you back to the train station. So we go to a 7-Eleven, go buy a beer each, pound it right in front of the 7-Eleven. Say <laughs> goodbye to a group of people that I probably will never see again, but I will always cherish that ridiculous, like, it was like a short film. I was like living yeah. in a short yes. film for a second. And, <laughs> and for those, like, for, for at least two of them, you know, they found a new spot in their neighborhood. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. know, if somebody was coming walking through our neighborhood looking for something I'd never heard of, I'd be like, yeah, let, well, I'm curious now. And so they get to learn about yep. their neighborhood too some more. Yeah. I feel like what's so nice about that too and is like good to remember is like, I feel like being from America, people are often like, you know, if you travel, be careful, watch out for mm-hmm. pickpocketers or yeah. whatever. But like the thing is like people are innately pretty good everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yep. It's like a nice reminder of that is that like, I don't know, it feels like this like really beautiful connecting force, <laughs> you know? Oh, and I've had several of those moments as well. Uh, it, it happened very, very frequently for me because I would always make that point to like yeah. put myself in a situation. Like I, I literally would plan and uh, kind of going off the rails with uh, traveling or, or what, what did you say? It was uh, winging it. I would yeah. literally be like, pick a random location, go to that and purposefully get lost. Like I would know yeah. generally like how to get around. I'd have my cell phone with cell service should I need to find my way back. Um, and I knew I would never be without like I would never be just boned. But I, um, I purposely get lost for the express intent of just meeting people and experiencing crazy stuff. So I found this crazy large temple, Buddhist temple, that was hidden, perfectly hidden. It was so impossible to find, but the moment you found it, it was huge and nobody was in it. And there was a, a Japanese, an older Japanese man who had lived most of his life in Germany. So he spoke English with a German accent. That's who that's who taught me how to pray at Shinto shrines. He taught me like all about that. So I walked with this old, older gentleman for like three hours through a, a Buddhist temple. And while well, he just taught me all about that and talked about his that's sons awesome. and all this stuff. And he's like, oh, I wish I could have taught my sons this. But they're they're no nonsense business folk. who don't have time for the you know, <sighs> traditional stuff. Next question. Yeah, let's do it. Do you enjoy the act of traveling? I Love it. <laughs> it is the weirdest feeling because to me, I kind of saying it like earlier, like it's a very Zen experience for me because it's so humbling to eat. I've done traveling so much and like at times consistently, but like a, a long drive, I love a long train ride, a plane ride on a boat. Like the act of traveling to me is so, like I said, humbling. It's such an innately human experience to transport yourself elsewhere to get a different worldview and experience. So, and it's also like it. I I know what you mean by humbling too. For me, it's like you go to a, another country and they have a routine of getting around on the public transportation. So everybody like knows how they're getting around, and you're just lost in the fray of everybody. Mm-hmm. And you're just following it. And you're you know you're gonna get lost. You're gonna get on the wrong train and have to get off. And it, you just have to be willing to fail uh, to learn how everybody else just 
they just know how to get around innately in this city. Might mm -hmm. I interject? It feels like what you guys are both saying is the act of traveling feels like this scene in Finding Nemo <laughs> where Marlon is afraid to jump in the turtles, like the turtles uh, ocean stream or whatever. Yeah. But then he hops inside and it's a wild time and it's yeah. like, oh, this is the turtle way of life. Is mm -hmm. that accurate? Yeah, I, yeah, uh, yeah exactly. Crush. Crush, yeah. yeah we're, crush. we're a bunch ride of crush. The, well, ride the wave, yeah. dude. <laughs> it, well, yeah, and for me, it's like it, the whenever I enter into an airport, it's like my own personal Narnia because for me, it's just like I've stepped into an alternate reality, a different world where time yes. moves differently and people mm -hmm. are and and I've seen some of the most and myself, I've experienced some of the of the most like an airport is the place where the entire human experience I feel is happening at once. So you go to like different events and you'll experience the event within that moment or you'll go, you, you know, you go places typically and in that location is where you're experiencing that thing, that emotion, those feelings. You go to a concert, you feel that way. You go to a dining hall, you go to a funeral, you, you're experiencing emotions mm -hmm. in that space. But an airport, in my mind, I have seen and felt the gamut of emotions mm -hmm. and seeing the walks of life from the ultra wealthy walking to the the very expensive lounges and going first class to the people who the poor who are you know that's the one ticket they have in the one trip to the the class the people who are jerks uh to the yeah. people who are the kindest most sweetest people to somebody who's in the worst moment of their life to somebody who is in the the happiest moment of their life and an airport mm -hmm. to me and other travel things like that that's how they always feel to me i'm like i am witnessing humanity yeah, myself, I have met like when I, I hadn't seen my wife after a year of being in uh, a really crappy show in North Carolina, uh, the the amount of just relief and, and love and happiness of see, finally seeing her again, mm -hmm. versus when I, uh, we had to pick my sister up from an airport after a relative passed away. And we held it like in the middle of the airport, we didn't care who was around us, we held each other and cried in the middle yeah. of an airport. Mm -hmm. And nobody sat there and was like, what and people you just know, you just know that's an airport. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. I never really thought about airports that way. I think because I'm always looking at the dogs and looking at the food. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe the scope of my world is just that small that I'm dogs like, yeah, food. the whole world's in here. <laughs> yeah. Dogs and what dogs and food. Yeah. Dogs yeah. and thirty dollar Wetzel pretzels. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Question number three. What was your favorite family trip growing up? I would have to say we did do a few family trips, but they were never the greatest. But weirdly enough, I don't remember much about the going to locations and being a part of that family trip. I only ever remember the travel. Staring out the window and like driving on the 84 in Oregon uh, next yeah. to the, the river and like yeah, you see Columbia. the train tracks and uh, like staring at the um, the power lines or like just seeing, yeah, the Columbia, just seeing like that trip to me is so cemented in my memory that even though when I make it now, I get instant nostalgia and I go yeah. and when I finally get to the destination, I'm like, I'm here. But like for some reason, the travel itself was so innately buried into my subconscious. My parents yeah. brought it in like back in the 90s. They somehow got a TV in the car so they could shut us up. Yep. Yeah. I remember. Yeah. Clutch. When we would get to the location, nothing, like, you know, three kids and two stressed out parents, it was never like, this is the greatest because, you know, your parents are, are dealing with stuff. But like the travel for some reason was very nice. Yeah. I was going to ask, uh, did you guys have a movie you would always watch? Like, yeah. would it? Fox and the Hound. <laughs> <laughs> wow, was... that's, that's a very deep movie to watch over <laughs> yeah. and over yeah. again. A lot. We watched that movie a lot. Oh, so much. 
Oh, man. So, um, Kevin, could you tell us a story about your best trip ever? Um, yeah, my best trip ever. I would probably I mean, I will go back and uh, as and say it probably was that second time I went to Japan. The, oh the third, fourth and fifth time was great. and I loved it. But the second time really was a part of a formative moment in my life too. early 20s. Like- Sorry, oh, yeah? do you feel like you're always chasing the second trip? Like every time you go back, you're always trying to get yeah. the second trip back? Oh, 100%. 100%. Which is saddening because the most recent time I went, I still loved it. But I had that like chasing the dragon feeling. I was yeah. like, mm-hmm. like I why doesn't it feel like it did that one time? Yeah. So I've been definitely, I'm like against my better, not my better judgment, but against my own will, I've been planning the next vacations will not be to Japan for a little bit just to give myself a break because I'm obviously yep. chasing yeah. that high. That's smart. But yeah, my best trip was the second one because I, I had so many unique and interesting experiences, met so many great people, had just phenomenal moments and some of the most zen moments of my life, like formative, like just a lot of self-reflection came from that trip itself because I was alone most of the time, yet meeting people and experiencing it. So so you already mentioned about finding the Shinto temples and that kind of thing. But what else made that trip so magical and profound for you? There was many different things that played into it. First was the initial. So I had done some studying on my trip because this is going to be like my first big solo trip on my own. I've, I traveled planes a ton as a kid. I used to go visit my biological dad in Hawaii all the time. Um, and then having gone to Japan before, but this is my first solo trip, like internationally on my own on a big trip like this. So I was like, how do I make this long flight on the plane as painless as possible? And the first, the first thing I did was I brought with me two giant bags of mixed chocolate onto the plane with me. (laughs) Oh, hell yeah. And I go to, I call the flight attendant over as the plane is like, as they're the planes are taken off and I just said, hey, because I I had kind of frequented subreddit boards and they talked like a lot of flight attendants were like, whenever people just treat us as stuff, we love them so much because we always get treated like crap. Yeah. So I was like, well, why not? Yeah, you're right. Like flight attendants are I appreciate the heck out of them. They work such a crazy yes. job and long hours. So I called them over and I said, hey, I know you guys work hard. Like I work in customer service myself. I appreciate all you do. I brought these chocolates on board just for you. Like I stuffed I, I took up room in my backpack just for you yeah. guys. I handed them off. The flight attendant was like speechless, went off. And then I like for the rest of the trip, I had free alcohol, free everything I could want, yeah. free in-flight entertainment. And the flight attendants like one by one would come by and be like, thank you so much. You are airport <laughs> Superman. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like it was definitely again, uh, it felt great personally. I was like, this feels good. I'm glad. Yeah. But at the same time, I made me because having worked in customer service all my yeah. life. I completely mm-hmm. understood that experience whenever you'd have that one customer who would just take their time and be like, thank you so much for your service. And, you know, I, you always make great food. I love, you know, you're always so nice to me. Thank you. They walk off and you're just like, oh, my God. I feel I, human again. <laughs> I have so a, that, that cemented the start of it. Go ahead. I have a friend, uh, my friend Jody, who whenever he's on the plane, he is just chatting with the flight attendants and like, flirting with them he's Mm -hmm. and like with with the guys mostly and like getting to know them and like when he travels all the flight attendants love him (laughs) and he doesn't give them anything he just well he focuses on them his attention yes yeah well he treats them like like, a person yes the difference because flight attendants are always treated like a lot of people dehumanize them or they roll their eyes at them or they only i mean we've seen recently in recent years how flight attendants are like they have to yes. be some crappy people. I mean, 300 yeah. people packed on a tight flight for hours. You don't necessarily get the nicest of humanity at that point. No. So to be to treat somebody like a person is yep. 
phenomenal. I mean, I, you and I, Garrett, working in with the sphere we do, if we ever meet a celebrity who actually treats yeah. us like we exist when we're talking, like a normal person, yep. you, you walk away like, that was the coolest person ever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that that started that part of the trip. That was yeah. like the beginning of that, the beginning of this. And I cemented for myself, like, that's what I'm going to be going into this trip. I moved forward with that. I so went off into that, traveled hours to get to my friend's place because I had to land in Tokyo and then take a long bus ride to Nagoya because that's yeah. where she was at. And then from there, because like I said, she was working most of the week and I was there for two and a half weeks, I would just go off and get lost and go yeah. and experience so many cool things. Like I would point to a place on the map, like I said earlier, go to there, get lost. But then like I found a one, like a, a random music uh, dance show happening. Nobody was recording it. Nobody was doing it. Just this woman and a guy with a melodica go to the middle of this like shopping mall midday and he's playing the music and she's doing a performative dance to it for nobody in particular, no audience, yeah. nothing. And I'm just happened to be there and there's nobody watching except for me. And she's putting on an amazing performance. And then a security guard comes up and is like trying to get them to leave. And then the guy playing the melodic is like, Oh yeah, yeah, we're, we're going to go. And he just keeps playing <laughs> and she keeps dancing. And like, she's doing, it's all, what's the one where you do, uh, where you're dancing to like, a free, not freestyle, but like um, interpret interpretive interpret dancing. Yeah, interpretive dancing. Yes, she was doing that. So like, there was a guy who was hosing down some plants or something, and the way he was waving the hose, like the water was like creating a wave, and she stood next to him and was like doing a wave with. I was just like, what am I experiencing? What is this? <laughs> <laughs> Meeting the the older gentleman randomly at that temple that I stumbled upon, and that was such a humbling experience. So like, really helped me spiritually through the, a lot of stuff, and then meeting some cool people. I met this one guy. I was trying to ask for directions from a janitor. She wasn't having any of it. This one kid yeah. came up and was like, hey, I can help you out. Like, come with me. Like, I happened to me several times where people would just be like, mm -hmm. oh, you look, yeah. are you lost? Like, let me, let me help you out. And then I would yes. hang out with them for the day. That is so cool. Because I feel like in America, if I see that somebody looks like sort of lost, I'll like... <laughs> walk the other direction <laughs> one because i'm like terrible with directions so i know i'm usually no help right oh, god now i'm thinking like why do i do that welcome to the therapy podcast we're so we're so yeah. busy too in america mm -hmm. you know like especially in la we're always going somewhere and we we're late you know like yeah i think i also have a humbug vibe like a, <laughs> a, a scrooge vibe of like oh <laughs> well, that one kid too the one kid i was talking about uh who helped me he literally was on his lunch break and then he called his boss and was like hey boss i'm gonna be a little bit late i got to take care of something that and is above like, and beyond yeah and then he like finally got me to the the place i needed to go and uh at the end and like even helped me he got a temporary ticket from the the ticketing gate at the subway so he could walk me to the proper train and the guy, he talked to the guy. He's like, oh, I'm trying to help this guy get to this place. And the guy's like, oh, yeah, you're cool. Here, just take a temporary ticket. You can get back out. I was like, what? Oh this is God. such a yeah. cool experience. I do think it's like when you're airport Superman, like that kind of energy <laughs> comes back to you. You <laughs> know, like when you're nice to everybody, it's like I feel like you do foster that one way or another. I feel like it's kind of karma. But but I also think it's Japan. Okay. Like Japan <laughs> is definitely. Yeah. I was kicked out of a village in Japan very politely. How did you get, okay, hold up. How do you get kicked out of a village? What were you doing? <laughs> I was, I, I did this trail to, uh, it, it's the village that's like no cars up in the mountains. Mm -hmm. It's like how it was 500 years ago. Uh, and it's all like super expensive. What's the hotel type in Japan? 
I, I don't uh, I think the I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the traditional yeah. hotels. And so it was all that. And I was up there with uh, my sleeping bag and, oh, okay, and, okay. and like and my uh, backpack. It's like a village in the woods. So I was just like, I'm just going to once it gets dark, I'm going to go out into the woods and sleep there. And it's fine. And uh, this one lady, you know, like we both agreed that the moon was very Segoy that night. <laughs> I My Japanese was pretty weak. She eventually like figured out I was I had no place to stay right. and I had a big backpack. So she was like, oh, come to my house. And she was a school teacher. And she put me on the phone with the English teacher there who was like, what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing in this village with no hotel reservations? Oh, and no. she she was feeding me onigiri. Mm-hmm. And then uh, she talked with the, the English teacher who told her that I was planning to sleep in the woods. And she drove me to the train station and put me on the next train back to Matsumoto. You got freaking expelled. I got expelled. (laughs) expelled. But like she was giving me stuff to drink. She was giving me only. Oh, she's so hospitable, but she's also like, yo, she's like also like, hey, you probably should leave. (laughs) Like I thought I thought she was like, you can sleep in my yard or like or even like here's a room. I've got a spare bedroom. Like it, it had that vibe of like. Like she was like so nice to me, and then she's like, "Get the fuck out of my yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That that reminded me too of another experience, and that's why that's right. That's why this one was also really amazing. I almost forgot about this. So two things happened on two separate nights. Uh, so I forgot actually the beginning of that trip. I actually did start my trip in Tokyo on that one, and I stayed there for five days with a buddy of mine, another buddy from college. And he was a rambunctious dude in college and was doubly rambunctious in Japan. And, and since we, I had last seen him, he got like really jacked. So he oh, was God. like, a, he was like suddenly really muscular. But so, yeah. So then in, while I was with him, we actually had some really cool experiences. And one night he's like, oh, there's this barbecue going down and they're doing like 100 beers from across the world. Uh, you should come. It's like 40 bucks gets you in and then you get to drink unlimited alcohol for the night. So I'm like, yeah, let's go. So we go to this bar and it has a really cool overlook. And they had 100 bottles of beer from across the world. And like all all the ones from America, though, were funny because it was all it was like Budweiser and then all Oregon beers. Yeah, (laughs) it was all Oregon Oregon beers. beers. Do you Um, need anything else? Really? Right. True. (laughs) Yeah. And uh, that was the night where I so my yoked friend and I (laughs) arm wrestled each other in the middle of the bar, which like we're arm wrestling in Japan and Japanese people love arm wrestling. And so my buddy and I arm wrestle, I beat him. And then suddenly there's this Japanese dude who was at the bar. He's like, yo, can I arm wrestle you? I was like, yeah. So I arm wrestle him. <laughs> then another Japanese guy, he's like, I want to arm wrestle him. So I'm like, all right. So I end up arm wrestling the entire bar. And I <laughs> oh beat every God. single Did person. you get tired or lose steam? Uh, at the very, I didn't. I, when I went to go arm wrestle my friend again for the last time, I had to switch arms because my right arm was hurting. Yeah. Um, and then the next day, I literally could barely move my right arm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I arm wrestled an entire bar full of people in Japan, um, and I won. In How did they it. react to being bested? Were they just like, yeah. ah, next time? Yeah, oh, like, they loved it. They loved yeah. it. They knew that they, knew that they were going to arm wrestle me and lose, but they would, like it was just such a fun like pass. It was such a, like, an act of machismo. Just like, yeah, yeah oh arm wrestle this strong American. I'm like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I want to bring things down. Oh, Tell no. us a story about your worst trip. Oh no. Um oh, Okay. I mean, if you want to tell it, you don't have to say you can just say pass. You can no, say no, like, no, no. I will I'll share. It was probably as a kid when I went to Alaska with my family. 
I can recall that being, you know, obviously go, looking through the lens of a child is a little bit different yes. than as an adult. Mm-hmm. But I remember as a kid, it was not too fun because my mom was very heavily pregnant with my youngest mm-hmm. sister at the time. And so she was not having anything that trip. And I was uh, being, yeah. I was, I constantly got in trouble. I got sick. Uh-huh. I, when we took a ferry to go, uh, like an ice breaking ferry, I got kicked out of a bunch of places because I was being a little bit of a troublemaker. I was just. What kind was, of a troublemaker are we yeah. doing? Like, what I, are we doing? I'm actually not like a bad kid. I wasn't like doing anything horrible. I just am so naturally inquisitive that I would go yeah. get into places I shouldn't be, which makes sense because as a child, I probably could have died doing something stupid. Yeah. But I was just like, oh, what, what's behind this door that says do not enter? I want to enter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, the captain yeah. of the ferry is like, what are you doing at the wheel? Yeah, that's how you get kicked <laughs> out of the engine room. That's that's for real. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sounds like it was a trip with limitations, which you don't like. And too many people to take care of. Yeah. Too many people yeah. to take care of. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's exactly it. And I, I, that was, you know, using that same kind of thing on other trips, again, to Japan that I've done on the other ones that I didn't talk too much about. We, I w- I've gone with other people at those moments and the other people I've gone with have like brought down my trip too, where mm-hmm. I've been like, cause it's a trip with limitations and entertaining people. Yeah. Like I actually had, like we had some really cool close family friends, family friends I say, but like really good friends of mine and my wife's and with the trip on them I, at one point, like a few days in, I basically kind of like had like a mental break where I was like, you guys need to pick something to do. You need to pick something to do. Cause I'm tired of planning it. And then, like, uh-huh. not ever knowing if you're cool about it or not. And I'm, I'm the one planning this entire trip. So pick something. <laughs> Did it work after you set that boundary? No. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So it just continued on. It yeah. just, I changed how I was. I literally said, I'm done yeah. planning how we're going to do. I, my plan was this. I was like, since nobody's making any choices and everybody's just going to sit at home and I'm the only one, like, do, you know, doing what I did on that yeah. solo trip. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break us up into groups. There's four of us. We can take turns having a partner for the day. And then we, with those different people, we go off and do different stuff. Oh, yeah. that's, that's kind of fun. I that's like smart. that. Yeah. And it worked out. We had some really good trips. Only two of us spoke Japanese, though. So when the those, when mm-hmm. it was the day that us two were together, the other two who didn't had a very interesting <laughs> trip. But I mean, that's good. That's good to learn how to yeah. be self-sufficient. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I often feel like when Garrett and I travel together, I often feel have this feeling that I'm not getting everything out of my travel because I'm not having to look at the map or Mm -hmm. hold the, we had a whole argument (laughs) over who holds the bus tickets because Garrett was always holding the bus tickets. And I was like, look, dude, if you don't let me hold my bus ticket, I'm never going to learn how to not lose it. And (laughs) that's a skill I'm not going to have. And Garrett of course was like, I'll keep them in my pocket and it will just be easier. And he's probably right. But like, I don't. I feel good about those people getting to figure it out for themselves yes. because they need to pick up those skills. Oh, and that was like what I meant when they were kind of worried about that. My my wife, I mean, one of them, she's like, "Well, what if I can't? What if I don't know what to do?" And I was like, "You'll figure, you it, figure out. it out. You, yeah. You're not." Yeah. I was like, first off, we're in Japan. You know, we're yeah. in Tokyo. Like, you're not getting. Nobody's gonna. You're not gonna no. get disappeared off the side. Of, well, it's you might, so but just don't mess with. If you see a guy with a bunch of tattoos, just don't leave him. Like, leave him alone. Yeah. Otherwise, like, people will help you. Somebody out there. There's English everywhere. You'll you'll be fine. Yep. And yes. they were. They were a little bit late coming home because they were trying to figure the train out, but they made it. That's great. Yep, that's and I have great. not seen my wife ever since. <laughs> <laughs> I want to ask this question. Yeah, you go for it. because of what it is. And I know Kevin's going to have oh, many answers for this. And there might be shocking answers. Kevin, what's the tastiest thing you've eaten abroad? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Weirdly enough, nothing too crazy. Well, I guess oh. in my mind, nothing too crazy. I've yeah, that's what I, yeah. 
Yeah, I've had like the whole gamut. Of, I think, okay, the, the tastiest thing I've ever eaten was probably... Wow, this is a hard question to, to answer because there's so much. It would be kind of like a combination of the most interesting thing, thing that I'd ever eaten as well, which okay. would have probably okay. been fermented squid guts. Wow. Yep. Because yep. it was so unique. It was such a unique flavor that I thought when I smelled it, I was like, this is just rotten. And it probably was. But like I got served it on a dish. And by far was it not just surprisingly delicious it was a little kind of disgusting but in like a i want another bite kind of way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where where was that uh that was just at a it was in it was in not osaka kyoto it was in kyoto and it was like a small neighborhood izakaya uh which is like a like a small like bar uh and the somebody was like oh you gotta try this plate i don't you americans probably hate it and it was like 15 bucks for like rotten squid guts and then i surprised them all by just eating my entire plate <laughs> just like eh? I'm like, yeah, I liked it. <laughs> Can I also just say, though, we we um kind of glossed over this. I don't think I know what it's like for something to be disgusting and then to want another bite. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I that. don't know that that's a thing. I know you said it as if you know that thing when it's so gross, you just want to keep eating it. You ever you ever like touch something and it like electrocutes you a little bit and it hurt, but like not in like a, I'm going to die way. And then you got to touch it again. Just be like, oh, yeah. No, no, just me. OK. <laughs> I mean, like the closest thing I can think of is when you have a sore tooth and you keep on. Bugging, with it. bugging yeah. it true yeah i, I mean it, it's, yeah. it's kind of in that realm it was just like you know because on smosh the, that show I, I think maybe some people might not work on there was the sir strumming milkshake yes and i got to sample that um on the video and like it initially when i got it i was like oh this is disgusting but then i like let it sit for a bit i thought about it because that was the initial reaction and i was like yeah it's kind of gross but also like kind of good and i took another sip and i was like yeah like yeah it's still kind of gross but also kind of tasty Dude, it's still, Kevin, it's still hard I to just, describe i just <laughs> yes. don't you i don't think you're gonna be sad in whatever situation you're in i know because like you can eat like food that you would consider gross and still enjoy it and still find it's like i like this this have, is funky have you ever eaten anything where you found out later like oh i should not have eaten that my taste buds were saying this is gross because it's poisonous or because it's like gone bad and spoiled and giving me food poisoning you know, I can't ever say I have. <laughs> I can't <laughs> ever say that I've ever gotten to that. That I think the closest that, that ever has been has just been so mundane, where it's been like drinking spoiled milk. Sure. Yeah, and then I and then I like after and I drank, it, like, it was this already, is like, so spoiled. I want another sip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I drank it and like it didn't taste horrible. It was like a little sour, and I was just like, yeah, it wasn't bad. I guess I should I throw it up? Will I be like I was less worried about like how disgusting it was, and more like. I didn't mind it, but am I going to be, am I going to deal with this later? <laughs> yes. Well, the, okay. I have a question. Go ahead. This is, I'm just developing a theory. Um, mm. Kevin, do you like almost every movie you watch? Ooh, wow. Oh, wow. You're like, are you somebody who comes out of most movies and you're like, yeah, it was really yeah. fun. <laughs> I find the silver lining. Yes. I might okay. go into a movie and I'll be like, man, that movie sucked. But no part of me is ever going to be like, what a waste of my life. I'll just walk out and be like, man, that movie was so bad. Wasn't that hilarious how bad that movie was? Yeah. Like, That's the only time I ever get that feeling is if I like was expecting something amazing. And then I'm just disappointed. Mm. But I don't like, because yeah. it's funny because I see so many people like, I intentionally watch bad movies just yes. for the fact that like, I, I don't get that. Them. I don't get that. Yeah. I can't do that. 
I, I think literally the only movies, again, like I said, in anything in life is when I'm, I'm disappointed. Well, on that note, yeah. uh, what <laughs> tourist, <laughs> uh, flawless segue, uh, what tourist attraction lived up to the hype and which one didn't? I would say Mount Rushmore did not live up to the hype. Okay, yeah. trash it, trash yeah, it. Yeah, no, that's, yep. Mount Rushmore did not live up to the hype whatsoever. First off, very tiny. Compared. Oh, really? Oh, you yeah, go up to it and you look yeah. at it, you're like, how is that? It's huge. It's very underwhelming. It's always presented as bigger, larger than life, which it is. It's like, it's big for faces. It's just, <laughs> yeah, they just, uh, it's always so like, oh, America, Mount yeah. Rushmore. And then you go see it in person. And then at first off, it's like super like you have to walk through like an entire mall of shops just to get to it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything there, it's like costs so much money. And then the park around it itself is like a half a mile walk around it. And you can you can. And then like literally Mount Rushmore is just like you're like, wow, it's really tiny. They and it's like they destroyed native a native holy site for this. Yep. Well, I would say, yeah. I would say in general, I think America's stretching for man-made landmarks. Like they yes, were kind of yeah. late to the party on yeah. it. And so like, you know, it's it's just all of them are kind of rush jobs trying to like mm-hmm. yeah. beat the pyramids and the Eiffel Tower. And maybe they just don't quite live up very yes. often. And I will say, though, at the same time, uh, another tourist attraction that did live up to the hype was the Native American. Um, I cannot remember what it is. They're building it nearby. It was an interesting one, the way it was being built. But it was near Mount Rushmore. There was a Native American um, oh, version. The, oh, version? Not, Not. I know there's a giant statue that was been built near. They've been working on it since like the 60s or 70s yeah. or something. I for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. I, I feel like I'd know the name, but unless I look it up, I I don't want to say the wrong thing about it. But I do remember there was nearby, like it, it was like the Native American. I just want to say Mount Rushmore, but like a monument being made, and this, this yeah. crazy guy in the 60s started making it. He said it came from a vision and all this stuff, and. It was definitely a really weird way about it, but I think it was really cool. And that felt like a really inter- – I felt like I walked into a museum versus yeah. just like Mount Rushmore and be like, hey, welcome to Dude's Faces. Here's a shirt with their faces on it. And then this one, you walk in and you're like, I'm walking through a museum. I'm seeing so much like Native American culture and heritage being represented. And then they did not – sugarcoat the story behind how it all happened and the craziness and how insane the guy was they're literally like yeah the guy who started making this was crazy and then later his family like realized that he was kind of appropriating stuff and so they don't they donated like the rest of the work and the family like the native american communities have like allowed the family to continue working on it because they like like they They have a good relationship exactly and i remember being like oh well this is very real this is really after having seen the disappointment about rushmore this was like a really cool assignment yeah it's kind of cool that it's like a collaborative effort in mm-hmm. a sense highly I, i'll let me i'll try to remember what it is later but like yeah i highly suggest checking it out because the story is insane <laughs> well uh kevin uh what was your biggest fish out of water moment you kind of alluded to your first time in japan but that may not have been your biggest moment for me fish out of water weirdly enough it was actually going i think it was when i first went to hawaii to well not when I first went to Hawaii to visit my biological dad, but when I, um, yeah, I was like 13 or something when I went to Hawaii to visit my dad. And I was at that age where like, I was a little bit more, I understood a lot more stuff than just being a kid. Be like, I'm in Hawaii. The reason why I felt so fish out of water. I remember the the moment it happened was like the second day I was there. Cause I, I'm, I'm half Samoan, half white. So I, when I go to Hawaii, if I get sit in the sun long enough, I, I get very dark, very tan growing up in small town, Oregon, mostly white people. 
Like, mm-hmm. and I had just gotten used to, I, to me, I hadn't ever, I, I would not, especially at 13, I knew I was someone, but I didn't, I hadn't quite locked in the concept of like race and for myself. So I just saw white people. I was like, yeah, I'm white, whatever. And then for the first time going to Hawaii when I was 13 and visiting my dad, now having this new kind of awareness, a little bit of race and like what that means, walking into a Walmart with my biological dad and I looked around and I had a straight up culture shock. Uh, I was like, yeah. there's no white people in this Walmart at all. And then for a second, I'm like, I'm the only white person. And then I like, I saw myself in the mirror. Remember this at Walmart, I was in the clothing section. I look in the mirror. I'm like, I look just like everybody here. Am I like, I'm just a normal person. <laughs> like it was, <laughs> it was the biggest, I, it literally gave me existentialism. And so for the rest of the trip, I had this weird feeling of like, like I belonged, but I didn't, I didn't know who I was. I had like this weird, just like, and it, it was fun. So I, it's quite, a, not quite a fish out of water, but also yeah. pretty much like a you fish were, out of water. You were a fish in, in water. water. In water. You were like... finally a fish in water. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a great way of putting it. I was yeah. a fish who didn't realize he had been breathing air for this whole time. Yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. crazy though. Like, cause I remember suddenly like this feeling of like, initially when I was there, I was like, oh, I don't belong. Cause I don't look Hawaii. I'm not from Hawaii. People are going to know. And then mm-hmm. people would just like be like, hey, brother, the kind, like what's, you know, they just like talk to me like I was just a local, like a local boy. Yeah. And like I, the, the treatment I would get would be different. Like I'd go to places where like tourists weren't allowed, but like nobody batted an eye at me wandering in. So like mm-hmm. it was, it was, a, it was an experience. It was, it was being a fish in water. I like that. I'm going to use that for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's very beautiful. Have you uh, reconnected more with your Samoan culture since then or not I, as much? I had tried a little bit, but I have, I'm such, I am so culturally like American and like such a small town Oregon boy that like it had this like degree of weird, like appropriation by me in a sense, because Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I didn't grow up Samoan. I, I, I am, you know, that is part of my race and is part of my heritage and understanding it. But I'm like, that's just not like I'm representing something that I'm not really Mm -hmm. because I know who I am. I'm very like concrete in who I am. So I never did connect with it, but I did like did, I definitely am like know about a lot of that stuff. And my yeah. dad has always said, oh, if you want to fly over to Samoa, like you got 300 family members there. I'm like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just going to go to Japan again yeah. for the 10th time. <laughs> my next trip is Germany, but y- yes. <laughs> oh, That's very exciting. Yeah. I mean, we, we're going to keep Well, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We'll see what the agents say. Uh, I was considering that. I'll write you. that down. Yeah, I was considering <laughs> that for you. But if it's already. Maybe we'll say Germany is off limits. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just uh, to get me. All right. Uh, real quick, going back. The Crazy Horse Memorial? Crazy. Okay, so it was the crazy. That's what I was going to say, yeah. but I didn't want to be like, seem ignorant, be like, yeah, Crazy Horse Memorial. Yes, sure. the Crazy Horse Memorial is it. Yes. Yeah, yeah the Oglala Lakota Warrior Crazy Horse. Mm-hmm. Good work, Agent Sticky Toffee Pudding. <laughs> wow, Sticky <laughs> Toffee Pudding. So if you could step into any moment from your travels, anytime you wished, which quintessential perfect moment would you pick? Oh, wow. That's... A really, really awesome one. Because, I mean, there's so many moments that I would just be like, yeah, there. But I'm like, oh, but no. But like, but this, but no. I would say like three different moments. Three different moments for. You get one for the rest of your life. Oh, like I, but I'm allowed to go back to that moment. You can tell us all three, but choose one. You got to pick one. You got to pick one and that's for the rest of your life. Okay. I would say of the three, the first one would, uh, of the three that I have in my mind, the three are uh, road trips with my family. Because there's right. something, those are so magical to me as a kid. And yeah. it was just a moment of being a child and just, just a complete trust it. within the parents and, and, you know, different. Very safe. Very safe. Uh, so road trip with the family, 
um, going to uh, the that night when I, I arm wrestled everybody in a bar in Japan. <laughs> if I could relive that over and over again, yes. I love that you're like coming in after a hard day and you're like, I'm going to step into the day where fucking <laughs> slammed 50 Japanese guys. <laughs> that was one American in there too. I got him as well twice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the final one was uh, when I was in Fayetteville, North Carolina working on a shoot and I was in the middle of Hurricane Matthew. Uh, literally I was in the eye of the storm at one point and I would, if I could step into that moment over and over again, I would, because wow. it was wow. definitely, it was intense. Um, I think I'd probably pick the Japan one, but I think the hurricane Matthew was a, a close second for me because it was so, so I had never been in a hurricane before and it was right. going in so fast and I didn't have any way, like another guy in the show had left, but like, I didn't have a way to get out in time before they shut the planes down. So the hurricane just sweeps in and I'm watching it and you can just see it approaching this wall yeah. of just dark clouds coming at you. And then suddenly it's just like all you hear is just like the sound of howling all around you and the winds were insane. And I remember it was so terrifying because I'm like, I don't know what to do. My boss was this crazy drunkard Australian who was like, nah, we'll just go to the place up on the hill and go film. Like, we'll put some GoPros up. We can see the house that we're filming and how it looks in the rain. The answer is, is that when you're in a hurricane, the, you can't see anything. Yeah, <laughs> I know. The worst footage that I almost died for. Yeah. <laughs> but Kevin, I like that you're like, yeah, after a really hard day at work, I may want to go step into the middle, the middle of a of hurricane. hurricane. <laughs> the intensity. Do you yeah. like and that's and that's it, the moment I would pick. Is to what about the intensity? <laughs> oh, like you in? oh, it was, in, it was, it, I remember it, I'd never been in weather that intense before where like ice. I remember, so the weather started getting really bad while we're driving in the little minivan and I'm driving and like, it's like pulling hard. And so I had to get out to get gas for it at a gas station. So I opened the door, the door flies open without me pulling it. And the moment I step out, I'm instantly soaked. Like within like yeah. a matter of a second yeah. and a half, I'm drenched. Not like I had just jumped in a pool, even yeah. wetter than jumping in a pool. And then like, people didn't know what they're doing. Everybody's like this weird state of shock. All the, the, um, gas stations are just full of people trying to get whatever they can it's so dangerous so intense um we go to the house put the gopros up and as i'm driving up it's like a, a flood is coming down the road towards us and i'm like i'm telling I, when we get to the top of the gopros up i look at my boss because he like had flown out for this the executive of the uh company i look at him i'm like i uh, we're i i'm i'm gonna veto us filming anything else like this is extremely dangerous he's like yeah man, yeah i was like i've got a case of beer back at home for you you can just drink that at the apartment and like but I'm not going back out until this is done. So he agreed and he drank all of his booze in one night, 24 pack. It was crazy. Oh my God. Yeah, and awesome. the power cut out. So we had candles and we're like in the apartment. I had filled the bathtub up full of water. Cause I was like, I don't know what's going to happen. And when the weather started not letting up, but when the eye of the storm got close and the weather started alleviating a bit, I went down to this local watering hole that I had found there called Patty's, and I had befriended the bar, you know, as I do, apparently I had befriended mm -hmm. a bunch of locals and I befriended the bartender who used to be, he used to play in uh, opening bands for Bono. He was like an opener for Bono all the time. What? <laughs> and he does Irish, he's this Irish guy, like pure Irish. And he opened up his own Irish bar called Paddy's. And it's just, and he'd play live music every night there. So I befriended him, uh, went to his bar and like nobody was there. So I'm just outside on the patio at his bar, staying relatively dry. And I'm in the eye of the storm suddenly. And I'm just drinking beer and just looking up and seeing clear sky, but you see all around you this ring of just like clouds. Yeah. And you know, like it's so quiet suddenly, but you know that you're in the middle of just like a torrential, like, yeah, uh, yeah it was insane. A uh, giant hurricane. So 
that moment right there is so solidified in my memory because there was something again so zen about being alone in a place in a bar in the you know fish out of water technically mm-hmm. um and also weirdly in water because of a hurricane yes and drinking fish in the middle of water but <laughs> still dry <Yeah. laughs> fish in uh, the wrong water it was fish in some some kind of liquid yeah but it was so again like this humbling feeling of like i'm a very tiny person and I, there's nothing yeah. I can do about this intense storm. Yep. And I'm very lucky that I'm relatively safe right now. <laughs> nice. That's like a, a good reminder moment yeah. to step into. So that would be that close second, just because it was such, okay. again, like a very like monumental moment in my life. I think those are the, the moments that I like. The quiet yeah. after a big storm is, it's unlike any other quiet. Deafening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then yeah. picking yes. up the pieces, like when you then travel around and you see all the damage the storm had done. That road yeah. that we had driven up to go to the house had washed away 30 minutes after we drove up it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. The house next door to the one we were working on, a tree fell through and luckily didn't hurt anybody, but destroyed it. So I was like, yeah. it was not a small storm. <laughs> yes. Wow. But not as destroyed as that bar was after you. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Got them all. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Many broken oh. egos and many broken arms that night at that bar. And man, I will yeah. relive it. <laughs> Where was the devastation worse? We don't know. <laughs> the calm after I arm wrestled everybody, it was, it was unlike anything else. <laughs> <laughs> what, one more question. We're, we're going to do a lightning round. Surprise lightning. Surprise lightning. Oh, surprise. Surprise Our hurricane first, round. Before the lightning round, is there a local custom? or a way of life you've observed while traveling that you've implemented or wish you'd implemented into your daily life. Like for Rachel and I, we traveled around Germany and at two o'clock they'd have coffee and kuchen, which is his coffee and cake. And uh, we like to do that from time to time. That's an amazing little little German thing we've picked up. Which is just an excuse to eat caffeine and sugar in the middle of the day. Yeah, that sounds sounds like an amazing pick me up to me, but you know, Uh, and butter. I think, I mean, again, most of my experience, Japan, I really, 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 really wish customs that I had implemented in my daily life. I think it came down to the very small scale lifestyle that people lived. Because, you know, obviously you live in an environment where it's small and you have to, you don't have much space. And so you have to live very like condensed and learn how to manage your like you know there's a reason why um oh, who was the the woman on netflix who did like the this pleases me this doesn't like marie kondo marie kondo there's a reason why marie kondo like her style is literally to declutter is because in japan a lot of like i've been to plenty of houses and apartments there tiny yeah. for like a family mm-hmm. will live in like a two-bedroom uh, and sleep together that kind of thing like it's not uncommon yeah and so having like that minimalist lifestyle for sure because i look around my place and like whenever i've moved i've been like how do I have so much shit? Yeah. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. how do I just have so much stuff? So I wish I had kind of like implemented that with more in my life and like the daily routine, because it also would go into like how, you, you know, because you didn't have much fridge space, you would walk to work, go work. And then on your way back, stop by a grocery store, grab yeah me- uh, something mm-hmm. for a meal that night, make it that evening, eat it. And then, you know, maybe save the leftovers, but you wouldn't have like too much in your fridge. Yeah. Meanwhile, in America, my fridge is just packed full of crap. We just went to Costco. Yeah. yeah. Our fridge is insane. The clock's ticking on yeah. Yeah. the food time. Yes. And then you're like, well, I guess I'm just going to have a, 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 an everything vegetable meal today because that that, that meal is not – that those vegetables are going bad. We yep. did just have an air fryer – an air fryer sponsored everything is a vegetable yes. meal. <laughs> we, everything went through the air fryer. It was great. 
It was actually really good. Yeah, I would. Oh, I don't it. doubt it. I would love yeah. it. You know me. You know me, Garrett. I'll eat it. But no, yeah, like straight up that minimalist lifestyle. Yeah, well, because even having a clear space is nice. Like before this podcast started, I was super grumpy because uh, <laughs> we walked, <laughs> like we were doing this at a desk in our in our room, and I just have a pile of clothes, and my desk was cluttered, and I was just like. <laughs> You know, like when you have stuff to do yep. and then you get really pissed off that your like room so messy and <laughs> I just have myself to blame. But I, I kind of get that where it's like if you just have less shit, honestly, your headspace is going to be so much. Healthier. Oh, yeah. Because when you have so much crap, it clutters so easily. You're just like, why? Where? Wow. <laughs> I can't even walk down my room. Yeah. God. Or then you have so much crap in your, your, your cupboards or in your fridge. You're just like, what do I even do with this? Like. Again, like being able to go to a grocery store, grab like five items, six items and make a meal, right? You're like, I feel like eating yep. this today. Here we go. Yeah. Or like uh, uh, in, in Iceland, I feel like everybody just has three outfits and, mm. but they're really, really nice, like really high quality mm -hmm. clothes, but you just have like three things you wear. And instead I wear clothes that are falling apart all the time and I get <laughs> mad when they're on the floor. I feel like that lifestyle is so very earth. It's, it's, it's a little bit more earth conscious. Because I feel yeah. like I, I, I sin in this way. I feel like, you know, we throw food away yeah. because it goes bad because we yeah. we overestimated what we wanted or we got tired in the week. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so just living that day to day, I'm going to go buy this and then make it tonight. You, you're like living within what you need, not yeah. this. I must have everything. All this, all this crap I have in my place. Half of it. I'm like, I just bought that because I thought I wanted it. Uh, all right. You ready for the lightning round, Kevin? As ready as I'll ever be. Right. Okay. Beach or mountains? Uh, mountains. Okay. Coffee or tea? Tea. Hot or cold? Cold. City or country? City. Beer or wine? Beer. History or scene? History. Clubs or cafes? Clubs. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. Fancy or casual? Ooh, casual. Fast or slow? Slow. Dogs or cats or cows or monkeys. Ooh, dogs. All right. That concludes the. That concludes. The <laughs> I feel like I was just so contradictory to myself. <laughs> Every no, no. Slow. <laughs> <laughs> hey. No, you did it perfectly. Oh, good. We're um okay. So now this is the part of the podcast mm -hmm. where Agent Sticky Toffee Pudding. And I will fit. Well, we're going to make two vacation packages for you and you can decide which one is best. Right, right. And then um, you guys give me money and I go do this, right? We give you so much money through the uh, tourism office. Yes. Once once they uh, you know how the government is bureaucracy. Oh, yeah. Red tape get, so it may be a little bit. Till they acknowledge us. Okay. Okay. Uh, you yeah, know uh, that makes sense. I, you guys haven't given me any contact information on anything either, so I just didn't know. No, you know reach fine. out. Uh, we'll find that. you. We'll find you. Yeah. Okay. I mean, uh, all right. I'm ready. Yeah. Let's hear this. <laughs> okay, Kevin. Yes. This is what I propose to you. My trip is I'm going to send you to Chile for a month, Ooh. and the reason is because Chile is so freaking long as mm -hmm. a country you're gonna need a month to get through it mm -hmm. but here's the kind of stuff you're gonna do you're gonna first off it's gonna be a road trip the whole time oh amazing so you're gonna be driving down all of chile at one point 
you may run into like a group of motorcyclists and you may join them and go to bars and have a great time. Okay, stop. You're already getting me excited. <laughs> Dude, let me tell you. You may run into a group. It's not guaranteed. No, yeah, no, I'm going you know to say you will. You will. Okay. And so you're going to like go on this fun road trip. You're going to go to the Atacama Desert. It's the driest desert in the world. Ooh. And you're going to ride ATVs, do some ATVing. Okay. Then you're going to see, you're going to go to Santiago and you're going to see the Andes. Ooh, you're going to yes. go to the Andes Mountains. Very beautiful. Santiago is actually like kind of cold, which is very fun. And they have a huge barbecue scene. They're all about like... <sighs> They're all about the cooked meats. So mm -hmm. you're going to eat a lot of meat. And there they also have terremotos, which are these like an ice cream float. It's like ice cream and a huge like fishbowl of beer. So you're going to be pounding these things at the club that all the time. amazing. <laughs> Dude, it's going to be fucking fun. And then, oh, and I also want to mention that in Santiago, you're also going to be surrounded by a bunch of street dogs who know how to use the public transportation. And okay, I can... That just sounds inter entertaining. It's going to be entertaining as hell. They all go to their houses at night, but in the day they play and they go around the private, uh, the public transportation. This is true. So then uh, you're going to go to La Serena, which has a beautiful observatory so you can see the stars and have that sense of feeling very small in nature. Aww. And then you're going to end in a, the small mountain town of Pucón, where you basically just like party and hang and stay at hostels. And Amazing. So, and you know what? If you want, you can end in Patagonia and see the penguins if you want, but you don't have to go all the way down. That's yeah. selfishly what I would do. Uh, <laughs> so it's a, so, a suggestion for penguins. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to title this trip month long road trip in Chile. Is okay. What my package is for you. Okay. You're, you hit a lot of points. It seemed like right up my alley. I mean, you got all the mm -hmm. points that I like food, partying, dogs that are self-sufficient. A ton of bikers. Mm -hmm. And I'll say that their arms are not that beefy. So you can beat them at Ooh. arm wrestling. I'll say that I'll also throw in weak armed biker games. <laughs> arm wrestle every okay, yes. Yeah. Right. I I mean, I guess if if Kevin, you want to be guaranteed a win, which I don't feel like is as as satisfying. All right, let's hear what your trip okay. is. Okay, yeah, let's hear your side. <laughs> okay, well, okay, I I feel like, ah, oh, man, Rachel, uh, she like she is, she pushed, she she, she really sold really, this. She sold it really um, well. So I'm gonna send you by yourself mm -hmm. for three weeks mm -hmm. in the Balkans. Oh, so we are talking Serbia, mm -hmm. Bosnia, Slovenia, and Croatia. Okay, we're talking beautiful mountain scenery. We're talking amazing nightlife in places like uh, Belgrade in uh, Serbia, where it's just clubbing all night. But during the day in all these places, it's a slow pace of life. Everybody's relaxing. Uh, they drink They drink a lot of coffee, drink a lot of tea during the day. At night, it's a party. It's just nonstop party, especially in uh, Belgrade. You're going to uh, travel around by both uh, bus and train. Uh, the scene, it's just mountains covered in fog throughout the whole way is Sarajevo is, yeah <laughs> Sarajevo is a beautiful city it's got this old quarter and it's just rimmed by mountains all around it it's this beautiful old Turkish quarter uh with the, the old silver district where they uh just a bunch of craftsmen making silver mm, objects really cool. uh the food we're I'm talking listening. uh one of their prime dishes chivapi which is a 
grilled veal sausage over charcoal. Oh, served no. with raw onions, oh. a big flatbread, and then you, and then a big thing of drinking yogurt. Drinking drink. yogurt. Oh, salty I've drinking had that yogurt. Before. I love that. Uh, another great dish there is boric. I like to get it as a vegetarian, as a, uh, the the cheese or the potato boric. I did eat chavapi when I was in the Balkans. I was a vegetarian. It messed me up, oh. but uh, I destroyed that hostel. But uh, <laughs> the boric, it's like phyllo puff pastry full of uh, either the white cheese and spice and uh, uh, herbs. And olive oil or uh, potatoes and spices. Are we pitching a trip or a menu? Come on. Uh, did I interrupt you? <laughs> Maybe once. Because I was pitching or a twice. Trip. And then that you pour yogurt all over. History is recent there. Right. Uh, Sarajevo, you can go to the, the museum, museum about the war. You can see the tunnels that they that they took to escape out of uh, Sarajevo when it was being bombed. Wow. I'll, I'll book you a, a concert. Mm-hmm. Uh, potentially Mostar Sevda reunion, doing some great Balkan, like modern folk music, big dance party atmosphere. Everybody's singing along. Everybody's that dancing together. Really awesome. Oh man, that sounds so cool. Um, that is my pitch. <laughs> potentially, you're ten, potentially you're a ten minute elevator yes. pitch. Yeah. So I have to pick. You have to pick. Mm-hmm. Or you can choose none and just say, I'm going to do my Germany trip. Anyway. <laughs> um, well, the Germany trip was just because of Oktoberfest. And I was like, uh, that, or, or the Christmas yeah. markets. One of those two. Yes. Berlin. Um, I highly recommend Berlin. I think you'd love Berlin. Probably. But Garrett, as your 10 minute long pitch was amazing. And I would probably have to do that one on my own. Because that sounds, I, I'm sold on that one. But Chile, I gotta go with Chile because arm ah. wrestling, arm wrestling bikers as I'm on a long road trip, and the crazy sights, and it, it, I get to, I get to go from hot to cold, and then like end yeah. in cold. Oh, that's 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 a dream come true. And then there's uh, it just it sounded like something that very much a Kevin trip. But the other one, and I will say Garrett with what you said, uh, you also don't know me very well because I was like you know. I could see myself also hitting that trip with a different vibe, going there and just yeah. absorbing the culture and like feeling very like, uh, what's the, what's the, what's the, there's a word for when you're feeling like, I think, I think it's a made up word that people use like Sonder. Like, Sonder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The feeling uh, did, Sonder. Uh, all right. Thank you, Kevin. Well, thank, thank you. you. I'm so excited. Uh, for this trip. Yeah. So just, you'll, you'll reach out to me. Um, we'll reach out yes. to you. Yeah. yeah. Once I give my information besides just my email. Don't worry about it. Well, Don't worry about it. First, I've got to kind of check in with all those bikers and yeah, yeah, yeah. see where they're at when yeah, they're yeah. tripping. That's so cool. You're able to book them as part of the trip. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We go way, we go way back. Yeah, so. of course. Well, I'm excited. I'll look forward to yeah, it. Yeah, for she'll sure. she'll find some weak armed guys to make you feel like a big man. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I need that personally. <laughs> hey, man, <laughs> little arms, big hogs, baby. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited. Oh. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Uh-huh. Well, that was our interview with Kevin. Nothing really to say about that. I think it was all great. I mean, other than it was a huge win for me, my first win in the podcast. Yes. Very exciting. Yes, although he did say that mine is one he'd probably actually take. Yours was, I mean, bikers? I mean. Where are you going to get them? This this loser is so sore. I'm hurting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta go roll that one out. (laughs) (laughs) 
Hey, you know what? We're tied one to one. I feel like we, you know, there, there's a lot we can still. There's a, there's a lot of people to still. There's a lot of time left. There's a lot of time left. The competition element of this podcast stresses me out. I want to beat you so bad. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you may get a chance. Listen again. We have another episode coming out soon. Kevin, I promised up top that we would reiterate where you can find him. He's big on Twitch. You can find him at New Game Plus, N-U-G-A-M-E-P-L-U-S. And you can find him on Twitter, K underscore K underscore Rig, R-Y-G-G. I'm sure he's on Instagram. I'm sure. Yeah, and regardless, you should follow him in real life, just around town, but in a respectful way. Yeah. If you ever see him in Japan, it sounds like you should follow him. Yeah. Uh, you can find him on uh, find them on uh, Instagram, Kev underscore Rig, K-E-V underscore R-Y-G-G. And I think that's it. Yeah. Else? Travel safe. Travel safe, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye.